As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to The Ruck, everybody. This is the first of two Rucks this week, and we're coming to you from Northampton Saints. And we usually lie about where we are, but today we've got um, uh, a cutter in the background cutting the pitch, so you know it is. It, we are truly at Northampton Saints, one of the great rugby grounds, and in my opinion, one of the, or the team which came to terms with professional rugby first. We've got a top panel here today of Nick Kane from the Rugby Paper, one of the world's most experienced and veteran uh, journalists, is still wearing the jacket he wore when he first became a journalist. Owen Slot from the Times, and I say this without a trace of envy, the UK Rugby Writer of the Year, and Adam Hathaway, Mr Fleet Street, the man who uh, has worked for more papers in the world, and he recently added the Ankara Times, was it? To, did you fight um, for them in Turkey? No, uh, Karachi Express is okay, the next one. Okay, okay. Just before we go on to rugby, Adam, that big-nosed bloke Ted <laughs> in uh, Line of Duty, is he the rat? He can't be, because they've been... The rat is H, and it can't be Hastings. It's too obvious. There's something dodgy about that lawyer, I think. Well, what about John? He, got, he almost had his head chopped. <laughs> yeah. What's happened? All right, well, we keep an eye on that, and yeah. if it is Ted, it'll be... You'll, We'll be getting you back to account for yourself. Well, you hear it, it first on this podcast, won't you? Yeah, exactly. We will break the news. Okay. Moose, have you seen the... Uh, t- was that? Do you rank this Ted or the big nose boy? No, I don't. For exactly the reason that I'm said, he's too obvious. All right, okay. Well, that might not make I tell it. you, we're a smart bunch, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that BBC can't put anything over us. I know. <laughs> we, we, were, we saw right through it. This um, this weekend, last weekend, was dripping. You've got dri- a big nose, Jones. It could be I you know, as well. I'm not as big as Ted. <laughs> All right. <laughs> This weekend's rugby was dripping with with great uh, play and controversy. Also, um, the question's been asked, did football, or rather, did football-style behaviour arrive at um, the Rico Stadium on on Saturday? One of the, uh, at least one, but actually three or four of the Saracens players were abused by the crowd, the Munster crowd throughout. Uh, There was a pitch invasion, and also a friend of mine took two kids and left at half-time when he saw one of the Munster... Uh, men urinating in a in a pint glass so Adam um, how did you find it was there a bit of a nasty atmosphere there yeah it was I mean Billy Vunapola probably knew what was coming I think Owen Farrell got dogs abuse as well I don't know what he's done wrong um, the pitch invasion afterwards A I didn't realise it wasn't illegal at a rugby ground to run on the pitch apparently it's not a criminal offence but that guy could have had a knife and we all know what happened to Monica Sellers a few years ago hmm. Nick um I know you were busy there, but did you find it a slightly oppressive atmosphere? Um, I, I thought that given the number of tickets that were up for grabs, there was more than a few sort of 12-hour Munster fans there uh, for the day, there for the beer and to play the yob. And um, 
you know, particularly when kicks were being taken, Farrell got uh, got a, a fair bit of it, and obviously Billy at the end. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't ideal. There was a bit of, uh, I suppose it's easy to say football culture creeping in, but to a degree, it did seem did seem that way. We'll come back to that in a second. But Owen, um, we'd like you to major on the Leinster game. Uh, another great performance by Leinster, possibly not quite of the standard of, of Saracens on the day, but. Um, a worthy finalist and a definite contender. Yeah, I think that the final is going to be outstanding. I was the Leinster victory was disappointing in that Toulouse never really or didn't get sufficient didn't get going sufficiently to to really challenge. I think we knew who was winning, who was going to win far too early. It's one of those games where you, you get to the final twenty five minutes and and. Uh, Leinster are seeing it out. I mean, this is all a compliment to Leinster. Uh, it, it wasn't a sort of a, it wasn't a great entertainment on because of that. Um, it was, a, it was a shame for the fan and the TV TV viewer that Toulouse never really got going. But uh, for sure, Len- Leinster showed that that um, uh, some of their big players, uh, Johnny Sexton and uh, Sean O'Brien in particular, uh, really um, look, look, look near at their best, close to the best, which they haven't been for a lot, lot, lot this season. And so they will make for an outstanding final. So we'll come back to you in, uh, in, in just a second and ask you who you think will win. Nick? I, I just uh, Regarding Toulouse, you know, they had the, the French fly half on the bench. They put a scrum half at fly half in DuPont. And they lose the, the whole compass of the game as a consequence of it. You know, I mean, the, Regis Son, the uh, Toulouse coach beforehand, suggested that it was the French way to do something special. Same old cobblers. <laughs> yeah, no, no, he, he's right. The, the most experienced journalist in, would you say, in the history yeah. of rugby? Yeah. Yeah, no, no. Uh, well, <laughs> cobblers Kane. Yeah, yeah, cobblers Kane has nailed it. Yeah. It, it, it was preposterous. They got, they got two great halfbacks. They put one on the bench and one not in his best position. So, um, got, got you. Okay, okay. There was another um, triumph for uh, Steve's favourite coach, Stuart Lancaster. Yeah, fair play. I've ne- I never thought they should have sacked him, honestly. Adam Saracens, in terms of individuals, some am- amazing performances there. Yeah, we, we know all about the Saracens rock stars, you know, Marrow, Owen Farrell, Billy, Mako, etc. Ben Spencer was fantastic, as you wrote on Sunday, Steve. Very well observed. Thank you, yeah. Um, but also, some of the sort of non rock stars thought Michael Rhodes had a great game on Saturday and. One guy who never gets a look in, I barely gets mentioned, Jackson Ray, who's fantastic. I totally agree there. I mean, he's amazing. He's the only, one of the very few who's not on international duty. Well, Nick, Nick um, anyone, anyone stood up for you? Jackson Ray, I think, is a, what, for sheer work rate, Adam? He never stops working. The thing is, the guys at Saracens have always said to England, just get him in a training session and you'll know what he's about. And he's yeah. never, got, never got a look in. No, uh, OK, OK. That's too obvious for England, I think. Yeah. I thought one of, one, of, one of the guys who really impressed me, I mean, they lost their, their talisman. Brad Barrett at <clears throat> half time and um, I thought that uh, Tompkins who came on for Barrett is is almost a Barrett clone you know I mean uh, what he did he's, he's a bit younger and he's got a bit more dynamism as a consequence hasn't got Barrett's experience but just to be able to fill in seamlessly like that he was involved in the final try in, 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 in quite a big way and I just think that that's, that's the measure of Saracens in a way they, they, they have this depth and keep on bringing in. He's a homegrown player, so um, yet yet another one. I, I mean, for, for me, uh, Ben Spencer re- has really advanced up the rankings. I mean, I think he's international class beyond any doubt now. I also thought that Liam Williams, who did make one error, I seem to remember, his ability when the ball is aerial is absolutely stupendous. I don't think I've ever seen anyone as good as Liam Williams when the, the, the balls up in the air. But Owen, um, 
We're speaking from Saints where um, uh, for later in the week we're going to talk to the Saracens and Wasps teams about their um, Tyrell's uh, Premier 15 final on Saturday. But Saracens are an amazing club because they've, they're they going to tell us about what a, what a lovely environment they've created for the girls. They've got their own high school, which they've started. They've got a lot of jealousy, Saracens, but they have got something that's, that's really together and a club that you really want to play for. I think this is a um, a podcast series actually talking about Saracens and, and the rights and the wrongs because they, they they do so much right as you say the players love being there the the uh, the you, I think you said that you thought um, well, the the quality of the coaching is outstanding because a, a lot of the England Saracens play better when they're playing for their club than they do for their country hmm. um, uh, and there, there is something uh, really special there but. Uh, I do. I, I find I find this conversation right at the moment. I don't know what you boys think about. Um, we're we're going to be talking about Saracens and writing about Saracens a lot for the rest of the season. Yeah. I just find it an awkward conversation because um, they were exposed for breaking salary cap uh, four years ago, and and we appear to be going through the same process again now. I want to I, I want to sit here and compliment and say how how great they are, but. But if if they're taking on an unfair advantage on the on the rest of the league, then I can't. Nick, well, I, I, I a slightly different uh, perspective on it because um, I, I take what Owen says about uh, Saracens and the fact that three three years ago I think it was or whatever that they didn't get uh, any punishment um, because nothing in the end was was proven. I don't think con- conclusively. I think it was. They just just, just it was swept away. Court, yeah, yeah, sure. But um, I don't think that there is a team in the Premiership that at some stage uh, has not broken the salary cap. I'd be stunned. That doesn't make it all right now, though. doesn't make it right. I agree with you. But it does get lend a perspective to it, which is important. Owen, have you seen anything in the most recent allegations which you could have put before a lawyer before you wrote it? Because I haven't. I think there's a lot of innuendo but no one's actually pro- come out and proven to say the, the structures which they've got put in place and the procedures are definitively outside the laws uh well no i haven't i haven't seen the documentation but but we do know that um uh, premiership rugby have looked at it and have put out a statement saying we're not happy with what we've found and we're looking at it further i mean that that's they have an inquiry into it you know if if they if they find that it's all above board then um then uh, I will celebrate the, the the club as much as before. It is interesting, though, isn't it, that Premiership Rugby are following in the in the footsteps of the Daily Mail, who uh, who did the, uh, the the investigation into it. It is not a Premiership Rugby investigation. True, Adam. Well, I think some clubs who are calling for Saracens to be crucified ought to be careful what they wish for, because um, I'm sure they're not the only club in the Premiership who's uh, over the limit. Might, a, might be wrong, but probably not. It's a very Easter Easter way of putting it. Was crucified. Um, I've got a theory, in fact, not a theory, it's a, an opinion. In fact, it's fact, it's more than my opinion, that Mark McCall and his coaching staff are the best coaching group and the best head coach in the sport anywhere at the moment. The way they, for instance, at half time realised that they wanted to keep O'Mahony and Tyburn out, out of it by whizzing through the breakdown. Tackle, win it straight away, tackle, win it straight away. That's how they scored their two tries in the second half was masterly and I think that McCall should be in line not that he'd go for any national job that comes up in the next 10 years yeah for sure um, I mean I see Mark quite a lot I can't see him taking an international job because he doesn't really like the limelight but that coaching group 
as an Englishman, I'd have no complaints at all if they moved them lock, stock and barrel to Twickenham. No. Owen? No, I, I agree. The, the, um, again, there's two, way, two ways of looking at it. One, they, they um, have a team that produces amazing rugby. Well, there's, there's uh, a, a reason for that. They've got more international players, more England players than any other, any other club in the country. So the, you could say, oh, well, they should do. But the other side of that is... Now, most of those players, they have developed themselves. Uh, most of the players who are world-class uh, have come through their own academy. They have done some outstanding things in the, in the uh, world of player development. They are, they are, that is where they are really ahead. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think that this is a, a truly great team. And I think that sometimes you know, a team of this sort isn't treasured enough. People should go and, and watch this team. I, that's, this is where I agree. I, I think it's an, a, a scandal of, on their marketing department, whatever. I mean, why, why are there only 16,000 people watching Saracens in their European semi-final at the weekend? Sorry, no, Nick, no, 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 sorry. absolutely. I, I agree. But, you know, I mean, I think that if, if, if I said anything on the podcast, I'd say go, if you're a rugby fan, go and watch this team. Catch them while you can. Agreed. Owen, um... It's going to be a great final. It's arguably the final that all the everyone wanted. Oh, well, actually, if you're Saracens, you probably want to play someone useless and Leinster. But um, it's going to be a great final. Um, do you got any initial tendencies as to which way it would go? Yeah, I, I, I just my inclination is it is that it will go Saracens' way. I think that they, um, I think they have uh, greater strength across the board marginally. I think. Um, they have um, uh, raised their game in Europe more consistently than Leinster this season. Uh, Leinster uh, have lost Dan Levy, which seems to be important, and they are reliant on Johnny Sexton being at his best and, and at his fittest, which is not something that you can um, uh, go to with any certainty. Nick, where would you go? I mean, we don't know what the runners and riders are at the moment, but from, from the evidence of the weekend. Yeah, I, I lean towards Saracens. Uh, I, one of the things that struck me about Leinster and about Ireland um, is that there's a fatigue factor. Quite why, given the fact that they're able to rest their players, you know, for half of the season, I don't know. Um, the, the, and that's my only reservation is is that Saracens have got current business which is 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 pressing in the uh, in the Premiership, and uh, Leinster might have a little bit um, a little bit of wind in their sails towards the end of the season. Adam, who do you think you will be hailing as the winner in the Vladivostok Argus? <laughs> <laughs> I'm um, I'm with Saracens. I think they'll really go after Sexton, um, and they'll just have too much for Leinster. The only problem I can foresee is that Saracens might not have got a home premiership semi-final by the time of the European final hmm. sewn up so how McCall rotates his squad is going to be interesting so you, so you say that they've got Exeter the week before the final yeah and uh, Lancer have a week off that week so you're saying the issue is that Saracens will be obliged to play a decent team the week before um, or, they, or they'll, they'll find that a, a, an issue they have to, to wrestle with. Or possibly do what they did. I know they lost, do what they did against Bristol and put all the rock stars on the but, bench. Blimey, when you come to think of that, where's the one place you don't want to go before the European yeah, Cup final? Sure, and you yeah. have to win, and that's Exeter. But uh, anyway, um, I think that's given a, a, a fair old chewing. Let's be fair, Leinster are an absolutely magnificent side. Um, they've got a certain grace about them. They've got a certain um, brilliant technique, but also great forward. So what could possibly be better? 
Okay, uh, just slightly more domestic matters now. On uh, Saturday, it's the Judgment Day at the Principality Stadium. When the four Welsh clubs uh, uh, front up, Ospreys play Cardiff, but before that, the Scarlets play the Dragons. Um, a big deal, they're expecting 60,000 people, which is, which is a decent attendance because some of their attendances are absolutely pitiful. I read uh, one of the Welsh journalists in the week saying, why is Saracens don't have a, uh, bring more people to the game? Well, Saracens have 10,000 at home and they, it's growing all the time and they've only been there three years. Well, it's more than any of the four Welsh clubs have got and they've been there about 140 years. So it's, it's very odd. Ospreys and Cardiff is a, it's a big game. And so is the other. But there is one thing. Neither, none of these teams are likely to qualify for the knockout stages of the Pro 14. Now, not to have anyone really contending in Europe is something, Nick, but not to be in the Pro 14, which is fairly weak in, in places. It, that's shameful, surely. Yeah, it's a staggering indictment of, of, of what's going on with the Welsh regions. And uh, just how, you know, just just how lacklustre the whole thing is, you know, the, the sense that, you know, I mean, people talk about promotion and relegation. There's no none of that in the, in this league. And it's a moribund league as a result. But, you know, people drive their own standards to a degree and um, in fact, to a large degree. And that's not happening at these uh, at the Welsh regions at the moment. Any oh. of them. Oh, well, the Scarlet. I mean, you know, you're 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 a young and fresh faced lad, not like the rest of us, but um there was a time when, you, when Welsh fixtures were just absolutely monumental and Welsh teams against England often, often won them. But, you know, even you in your, with your tender years must know that we're missing something with the lack of a really outstanding Welsh club. It, it goes back surely to, to the um, recasting of, of Welsh um, professional rugby and uh, the dying of the clubs or, or, or the subjugating of the clubs into regional rugby. Um, I mean, does it not? Now, I, I grew up sort of hearing, reading and occasionally seeing uh, these amazing Welsh clubs and, and the history. And, and, and uh, yeah, it's a great disappointment as a professional journalist that I, I've so, so rarely seen anything to stir the passion from Welsh club, Welsh uh, regional rugby in the professional era. Adam, you're notably anti-Welsh in all your, um, <laughs> all your writings and uh, you actually hate, hate going over the Seven Bridge. <laughs> yep. Except you go over now because it's free, but um, you, you always hated them. Um, you must be loving this. Well, <laughs> I'm not crying about it for sure. <laughs> so he's admitted but, but I'll tell you what, one thing it does, we've said this before, it just proves what a brilliant coach Gatland is because he can get a grand slam out of these blokes. Oh, absolutely. The, 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 um, this is the, what the marketeers say about Judgment Day. The pageantry and passion uh, at the Principality Stadium uh, added to the sheer international quality of the team, testing themselves in the white-hot derby environment. What well, a of blimey, I don't know what he's talking about there, but it's certainly not <laughs> rugby. But look, it's, uh, it, this, this is the day. And um, the sad thing is that if Treviso beat Zebra with a bonus point on the weekend, which they could well do and they're favoured to do, then no Welsh teams will qualify. The only significance of the f results is that uh, Ospreys and Cardiff, the winner of that, may just be able to qualify for Europe next year, but in the, in the intricacies of the qualifying procedure. So, uh, wish them well, but uh, I think if it was Newport, Cardiff, Swansea and Tlenethley, there'd be more interest and more passion, but... I'd definitely be keeping an eye on that one. Nick, um, your, your rugby paper on the weekend came up with an interesting story. On the front page, by the way. Did you write it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I just didn't catch the byline. No, seriously, um, 
Um, the RFU, um, it, with banner headlines, this was, the RFU is going to slash by 8 million, the budget that they give to the community game uh, in England. Part of the huge um, um, budgetary cuts that they're needing, but 8 million off the budget, taking it down to still, still 30 million. I mean, painful for the game. Is that the right way to do it? A, is it painful? B, is that the right way to do it? We'll come to the other two in a minute. I, as to whether it's the, what, the right way or not, I'm not sure. But what, what does need to be answered is what has happened to the £30 million windfall from the World Cup in 2015? Why hasn't a significant amount of that gone to the community game? Actually offsetting this funding crisis that they've now... Um, that they're now in and that is entirely, I think, of their own making. It's um, financial mismanagement to a degree. It's speculation. I mean, Stephen Brown, I spoke to, who's obviously um, uh, left as as, uh, chief executive, he said back in October that the shortfall would be four to five million. And um, that it would, the implication was that it would be shared between the community and the pro game. It now seems that the, it, well, it appears that the, the, the shortfall is double that and it is entirely going to fall on the community game. And that is just totally, total, total, total mismanagement. It's terrible news for Steve Granger, whose job it is to, to boost up um, boost up numbers and it generally does it very well. We'll come to that in a minute. But it really is dis- disastrous at a time when the, 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 the community game in terms of second, third and fourth teams is really struggling. Obviously not in terms of girls, um, uh, beach rugby, um, mixed ability rugby, fantastic. But... Uh, there is a heartland is, is going. Owen, oh, um, swinging cuts and the RFU not having a good time at all at the moment. Uh, th- this is, um, uh, we, we've sort of seen this coming because it was about a year ago that, that yeah. the numbers uh, started trickling through that uh, uh, they were um, 30 million over budget or whatever it was for the rebuilding of the East Stand. Um, I, I, I've... I think the questions have been asked multiple times as to where the numbers have gone so far wrong. And, and as, as um, uh, Nick said, uh, the windfall from the World Cup, how, how can we be three years on and suddenly uh, be so uh, short of cash that it, it, it just it doesn't add up? Uh, if, you, if you have a windfall, then, then you don't spend it, then suddenly say you've got nothing left. Um, they, they know how, how the, the, the quadrennial system of rugby works so they know that in a World Cup year which is the year coming up they won't get any autumn international so their income will be down again but I hear that, that they're expecting next year to have a, a huge uh, hole uh, to, 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 to fill as well um, it, it, it's very poor and, and the game in the community game is suffering Adam, um, you're a grassroots man in terms of your sport. A, a, d- a disaster, but B, um, there's a RFU council there. Yep, um, they do. 57 of them. Yep. Now, the RFU have already got a board, a chief executive and an executive all around them. They've got the professional people there, but they do have a top-line board. Why are these 57 people on, their ex- on, on expenses having international tickets um, roaming around the world uh, at, at someone else's expense. Some of them, no doubt, do brilliant work. Do they need 57 of them when they're not really in the chain of command anymore? 
Well, if you can tell me what they do, um, then let me know because um, I don't. And they, but they do like a lunch. Um, <laughs> the other... Are there still fifty-seven? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, hundreds of them. Yeah, hundreds of different. I'm sorry, that was no, a perfect. Fifty-seven. It was um, was was Will Carling's favourite. Uh, it was. Yeah. yeah. Look, I, I, they I, must I, have fluctuated. A, a couple of them must have oh, well, popped their clogs by now. But yeah, but they get replaced. Oh, that's good. News. I is, think it's look, actually I, more now. I've met I've met some people. I've met some people, and they've they've been lovely, well-meaning. They have given up their time but really does at the time of you should to cut uh, coaches out there who are, who are responsible for bringing people in uh, to be honest it's ridiculous and don't forget the uh, the rfu commissioned a big survey with a top company who came to the conclusion that the commit council were worse and useless and should go so the rfu then ignored their the survey they'd commissioned adam well, and these these guys who are getting cut and the clubs the grassroots clubs are going to be affected the same grassroots clubs that the RFU are turning around and saying to, we'll charge you 130 quid to get into Twickenham. Yeah. I mean, one, one, one of the areas where you actually see the, the effect of these cuts is that talking about a 35% cut in funding to referees. So in, in, in terms of uh, being able to, to fund the well, referees. They should, they should cut them more. <laughs> but Sorry, it that. means that from National 1 down, uh, now they're going to have to fund their own referees. Yeah. National one down. Well, if you fund your own referee, I, if I have to fund my own referee, I'll bring my own referee along. <laughs> well, Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, uh, he, oh, that was funny. Jack, even Jack, our producer, is laughing at that. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Premiership, lads. Slotty, Slotty looking at reading his um, mobile phone when I'm talking. I know, it's very rude. I could ask him a major, major question. Well, I've got important people contacting me. All right, sorry. Who are they? Hmm? Who? I can't say so Okay, yet. all right, okay. Your missus. <laughs> Premiership. Told her not to bother me during the podcast. <laughs> every week. All right, I wish I had national. Premiership. Uh, this week we're back at the Prem Action. Friday, uh, yet another must-win game. Newcastle and, and uh, Saints. Should Newcastle lose that game and should Worcester beat Gloucester on Sunday, it is almost all up for Newcastle. It is absolutely a must-win game. Agreed? And Nick, where will your heart lie, Newcastle and Saints? Well, it will lie with Newcastle. I'd like to see the the uh, the, the the fight at the at the tail end go on for the entire season to the last game yeah. <laughs> as somebody who's not going to be affected in terms of uh, uh, income. But I would say that um, 
Saints. I saw Saints win at uh, at Quinn's a couple of weeks ago, and they're 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 a dangerous side. Yeah, that was Nick. I'm all right, Jack. Um, <laughs> He's not going to be affected financially. <laughs> oh, indeed. I'm so relieved. Is there something? <laughs> is there something um, slightly weak about the, the the whole division in that? Should Wasp beat Saracens this week? Uh, and it, it sounds as might field a weekend team. It's unlikely, but certainly not out of the question. What could well go up to fourth in the table when this is seen as one of their most disastrous seasons in, in living memory? Oh, I just think that's a re- reflection on this weird and, and brilliant uh, season of, of yeah. uh, Gallagher Premiership rugby where... Um, uh, Clubs have, you know, their, their, their fluctuating fortunes have been fascinating to watch. Uh, the standards have been very close, so anyone, uh, you, you, see, you, lo- you lose your grip a little bit like Wasp did, and then suddenly you're, you're losing six games in a row or something. Then you, you clamber back on and you build your momentum again. And, um, and uh, so many clubs have been rising and falling. It, it's been extraordinary. So, I mean, if they get into the top four, then, then they've dug themselves out brilliantly and they'll, they'll have earned it. I um, yeah, and also I should re- reflect that um, I went to Newcastle and uh, Leicester, um, on, and the same weekend I saw um, Worcester play at home. Never got a word in the paper about it, but uh, uh, there we are. I enjoyed my trip, and um, Newcastle were a, a, a really fine side. Worcester next day were absolutely superb. So I think it, it is a crazy old thing. I think you could be. The team that goes down with a bit of luck could have finished fifth or something like that. But Adam, um, there's a sort of growing story with Gloucester because they're not so sort of seventh, eighth or ninth anymore. They're, they're third. They got Worcester this week and should win. Um, first of all, great news that Gloucester are back in the fray after all these years. Is it? Oh, <laughs> he, doesn't like, he doesn't like does anyone, does he? Does he? your dislike of Wales stretch across the yeah, seven bit? What clubs do you, you like? You get as far as Holland um, starts liking them. Gloucester are improving. They don't. They have benefited from not having any internationals in their squad. So they've done well during the autumn and the Six Nations. I think this what's going on at the bottom where four or five teams potentially could have been in trouble just shows that it is the two big dogs Saracens and Exeter then the rest of Gloucester probably the best of the rest this is like the, the torture trial with the Richardsons they never come they never leave North London <laughs> okay um, th- that's that's about it I think we covered everything brilliantly there uh, even though we say it ourselves thanks very much for listening to us one more thing um, on the weekend um, in, a, in a distant corner of the paper was a story about half game rugby <sighs> That is an RFU um, uh, invention, creation, which becomes absolutely, uh, definitively um, a statute next year. Every time you take your boys out to play, or girls, uh, in a match between the ages of 7 and 18, every member of the squad has to have at least half the game. Sounds lovely, sounds pastoral. I think it's execrable and very dangerous. But am I being alarmist, Owen? Uh, yeah, no, I disagree with you wholeheartedly on this one. Right. Uh, I, I think um, may, maybe, maybe you're right at the uh, like under 17s, under 18s, uh, top level. But ha- how many times have I seen a, a kid who's a substitute who gets on for 10 minutes at the end who would rather have been playing in the second team rather than the sub for the first team, for instance, or actually might decide I'd rather go and play football next week, or might be a kid who's grown late and therefore can't compete at the age of 14 or 15 and drifts away from the game. So uh, I, I think there is more positive than negative on this.
great. I don't see any positives at all. And this, that's after I've been through the age groups three times from eight to 18. I can tell you, when the boys reach 14, they are all dying to play league rugby. And secondly, what is wrong with having a league game one week and next week you have a friendly which you play everybody. Therefore, you keep everybody happy because the problem is with this, the problem is with this is that you're going to cheese off way more people than you absorb because the 12 players who've trained, sacrificed, worked their guts out, gone to the gym to well, try well, and make the team what, have, the, have your reserve players, your substitutes not trained and worked hard as well? Not, it is, not is, often. Isn't, isn't a club or a team about about the whole lot? If you're good enough to be in the, in the match day squad, if you're 16th or 17th, then surely you should be good enough to, no, to, to, whole, play, to play in the match. The whole point of selection is you pick your best team. Therefore, if you're making loads of subs, and you could be making up to 11 substitutes, it means that you're bringing on well, 11 inferior players. Well, who's going to have 11 players. substitutes? Well, most people, because very, very few teams have two sides. Mm. If you're having less subs, then you will have a second side, because people will be getting a proper game elsewhere. No club's going to want to have 11 subs, are they? To, and, and have them rolling over at half-time. But, so, but you have to. You have to. If you want them all there... You have to. Most people cannot run two teams. 99% of clubs and, uh, and increasing number of schools cannot do it. So you have to bring them all on. I have a question. Uh, have they actually trialled this? Because what we have with laws all the time yeah. is the, the, the law of unintended consequences. Yeah, exactly. With everything that's going to happen. They have trialled it. And if you, look, if you saw the survey about the trial, you'd think they based it on this. Well, they, they have trialled it, and they and their conclusions, and I don't know quite how they got to them, were that if you play half game rugby, the players are six times happier with it. Mm. Well, well, I mean, that's what they say. Six, what, yes. six times. Yeah. What they say. Like our listeners are six times happier than people who listen to other say, podcasts. What they say exactly. I mean, it's hard to, to measure exactly, but it's definitely it's, correct. It's, what they say is, if you have half a game rather than not playing and standing on the touchline, you're six times happier. Wow. They had to pay for that survey, Adam. Mm. Well, when I first read this, I thought it was quite a good idea. Um, but then I read Steve's piece um, online coming up here. Well, and, you weren't um, persuaded by well, it. Well, strangely, I half agreed with him. Um, what do you mean half? Well, well, particularly with the thing about um, <laughs> playing oh, half, half a game. Don't now. say a half. Say, half say a quarter. Be honest. Then, then playing friendlies. I think that was a good idea. It's, well, it's what all everybody's ever done. It's what we did at Maidenhead. We were the only team in the whole of Britain who had two Colts teams. I normally give everyone the final word, but this time I've, I'm having it, <laughs> even though I respect your wrong opinions. That was Nick Kane of the Rugby Paper, Owen Slot of the Times, Adam Hathaway of the Bul Bulgaria Bugle. <laughs> we'll be back on Thursday with another podcast. We'll be featuring the Tyrrells Premier 15 final which I've now decided is between Saracens and Harlequins. Thanks a million. iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.